Hey friends, it's Nicole and Kate, your girls from across the globe, Sydney, Australia and Puerto Rico to be exact. And we're so excited to be sharing this time with you. I'm Kate. And I'm Nicole, and welcome back to another Candid Conversation with us. Each week, we bring you a new conversation about a topic that we can relate to. We share our own experiences and thoughts in the hopes that you'll realize that one, you're not alone, and two, that open and honest convos can lead to awesome discoveries, shifts in perspectives, and energy to move ahead with confidence. Because that's what real friends do. They provide love, support, and space for one another to share without judgment, speak without hesitation, and to learn from each other, even when we don't agree. And with that, let's dive in. Hi, Nicole. Hello, Kate. I was just editing some of our episodes today, our past episodes, and I'm pretty sure the last episode is when you got to say hi first. So I made sure to get in there this time. (laughs) (laughs) And I was waiting for you to say hello first. We're in sync. Same page, same page. Uh, Well, today is another one of our special guest episodes. And today we're inviting Michelle Hansen on the mic to chat with us about an idea and topic that is very new to me. I don't know that I had ever heard this term before you shared it with me um, called toxic positivity. And we're going to be talking a little bit, well, we're going to be talking a lot about that in today's chat. But before we bring Michelle on and before we dive into this topic, Nicole, why don't you share, because I'll be meeting Michelle for the first time today, but I know that you and her go back a ways. So let's share with our friends how you two connected. Yeah, I'm super excited to have Michelle on and for the fact that you two are finally going to meet. Yeah, I Yay! I met, uh, well, I met Michelle now a few years back. It was at a conference in Las Vegas. We were in line waiting for the bathroom and it was a tech conference. Yeah, it was a tech conference and the line was really short compared to the men's, you know, for a change. And so I love it when that happens. I know. I always want to go over to the men and be like, see, now you know how it feels. right it's so rare and we were next to each other and so we made a we made a joke about that and um yeah we've been friends ever since she gave a short talk on interviewing customers that was just so good I found myself like a few years later going back to my notes and I think that's how I kind of reconnected with her online and what's awesome is that uh just like you and I do her and I catch up on a call every single month Oh, that's so awesome. I love those relationships that are just like, well, I, we'll be talking about this. Actually, we already talked about this in one of our episodes about the idea of fate. But just the mm-hmm. fact that you two happen to be standing in line next to each other for the bathroom and now you guys are like friends and talk all the time and share experiences and, and knowledge and all of that. So cool. I know the fact that like, you know, our friendship was kind of you know, loose in the beginning, but because we commit to this, this monthly call, um, it's just gotten stronger and stronger. So Mm. Michelle is originally from Virginia, um, but she moved to Denmark in 2020 where she lives with her husband and her daughter. Uh, she runs a successful SaaS company called Geocodio that she founded with her husband. She is the co-host of a podcast called the software social podcast. And most recently she's the author of a book that I tell everyone about when I have the opportunity deploy empathy, a practical guide to interviewing customers. And I'm so proud to call this woman a friend because just like I do with you, Kate, every time I get on a call with her, we explore topics in just this very real and open way. 
and she just manages to give me a different perspective and I always walk away from those calls thinking about what we've discussed. Case in point, today's topic, toxic positivity, was completely new to me. I had never heard this term before. Um, She shared an article with me. I went on to read it. We had an email exchange about it and I thought, wow, I, I wonder how many people have thought about this topic or even know about toxic positivity and is that a thing and what is it so very excited to bring Michelle on and to have a chat yeah definitely I mean I echo all of your thoughts and feelings on it I'm so excited to dive in today's convo because I know that it's going to be a great exploration of this topic and probably give us quite a few things to think about so why don't we go ahead and welcome Michelle Welcome, Michelle. Thank you for joining us. Now, just before we get into the conversation, you are in Copenhagen right now, right? I am in Denmark. Uh, I'm an hour south of Copenhagen, uh, so in the countryside, but yes. And I'm in Puerto Rico. And I'm in Sydney. (laughs) I feel like we just have to talk about the time zone, like juggling gymnastics that it took to like make this happen because... It is, this is impressive. This is 9 p.m. for me. It is, what time is it for you, Nicole? 7 a.m. Okay. And what about you, Kate? And 4 p.m. for me. Wow. You're a trooper, Michelle. It's late for you. It's 7 a.m. for Nicole. I mean, that's... <laughs> but I think that's the difference between like millennials and like I'm tucked into bed by the time it's your time right now. <laughs> so I am so impressed that when you accepted to do this chat with us at, you know, 9 p.m. your time, I'm like, wow, Michelle's young. <laughs> I'm just super impressed that we are we are really covering the globe right now, which I think is so awesome that we can have these conversations and chats. And it's so simple. We literally all put a URL into our browser. And here we are. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, so amazing. Okay, well, before we get into our conversation today, do you want to tell us, Michelle, tell our friends what it is that you do? Yes. So uh, I am co-founder of Geocodio, which is a location data uh, processing and enrichment SaaS. I started that with my husband nine years ago. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, Pretty exciting. I have been on it full time for, I guess it'll be six years this year, which is also totally wild to think about because that's longer than I ever worked for you know, anyone else as an employee, um, actually several years longer. So yes, so I've been doing that. Um, Before that, I was a product manager. And so that that's kind of my my home base, so to speak, um, is product related work. And outgrowth of that was that one of my focus areas for a long time has been customer research and using that to understand how to build a product, how to market a product, building product strategy, understanding competitive advantages, kind of all that sorts of stuff. And so I wrote a book two years ago now, uh, time is moving, um, Mm -hmm. on customer research called Deploy Empathy that sort of tries to be a soup to nuts guide to how to do customer interviews and how to get really good information out of them. And... I also have a podcast uh, called Software Social, which is currently on hiatus, but there are two and a half years worth of weekly episodes. And you record that with a girlfriend of yours, correct? Yes, yes. So my friend Colleen Schnettler, she is 
co-founder of a company called Hammerstone, which is was recently accepted into Tiny Seed. And so she uh, is is a developer. And so we talk a lot about uh, our experiences of uh, building SaaS companies. The podcast actually started right when she was just trying to figure out what should she build and how should she do it. And the early episodes in particular really go into that of her building her first SaaS. Um, and so when the podcast started, she was a consultant and not a founder of anything. And then now she's a founder of two companies. Um, and <laughs> wow. so it's it, it's been a really fun couple of years for us. Yeah, absolutely. And now that you're talking about your book, I realize Nicole, you and I have chatted about this book on the podcast before because you brought it up. Was that in our episode on empathy that you had brought that up? I think we've actually probably brought it up a couple of times now. I was going to say, I tell everybody that will listen about this book. Yeah. I, am, I am so impressed with this book, Michelle. And I do. You're so sweet. I'm going to gush on you because that's actually how we met. You were doing a talk at uh, MicroConf at a conference on customer research. And I referred to my notes years later because that talk was so impressive. And it's, it's so great that you've actually written a book about it because it's super, super helpful for anyone who needs to talk to their customers. I don't want to go on about the book. We can talk about maybe a little bit more about the book later on. But yes, the book is amazing. And the title, I think, is interesting given the topic of our conversation today. Well, Nicole, I remember you mentioning to me that when we were thinking about episode topics, and and I think it might have come up in our episode on empathy, you had mentioned that you and Michelle had had an email chat about this, uh, what, what would you call it, thing. Idea. <laughs> called toxic. Yeah, this idea called toxic positivity. And I was like, Oh, huh. Tell me more because I feel like I'm an insanely positive person, sometimes probably to a fault. And I was very intrigued. You ended up sharing an article about the topic of toxic positivity and kind of what it is. So I'm very excited to hear Michelle's thoughts on it. And and also more about the conversation that you guys started. Yeah. The thing is that when I get off a call with Michelle, as you know, we catch up once a month, there's, you know, you often bring ideas to me that I haven't heard of before. And so when I heard about toxic positivity, it's an oxymoron, right? How are these two, like, I, I couldn't kind of square the, the idea in my head. I read the article. We've had a bit of an exchange about it. Michelle, how would you describe toxic positivity? Toxic positivity. And I, and I can understand how it can be a seem like an oxymoron, right? Because how is it possible to be too positive? But like anything, you can have too much of a good thing, especially where it substitutes other necessary things, right? It's healthy to eat lettuce, but if you only ate lettuce, you would not be healthy because you are denying yourself other, the full range of nutrients, right? And that's the same thing with toxic positivity, which is basically the idea that it's sort of the concept People only allow themselves to express themselves in positive terms, or they can only feel positive emotions related to things. So for example, you might see, you know, someone go through something really, really, really difficult and tragic. And you, social media is a very often place where you see this. And they're like, well, I'm so grateful that I even got to have this experience in the first place, or I had the opportunity to do it. And it's like, you were just like, you know, laid off in an absolutely brutal manner by a corporation that didn't care about you. Like 
you should be allowing yourself to feel rage and disappointment and hurt and grief and all of these things and to force yourself to feel gratitude and only gratitude or only to allow yourself to express gratitude and to shove all of the other emotions away. That is where the, the toxic part of it comes in because all emotions are valid. And if we try to deny certain ones, it only makes our physical and mental health and social health worse. And this is related to my book and something I have, I have gotten into a bit because when you talk to a customer, it's important that you understand your own emotional reactions to things and why you have them. And also that whatever they are saying is valid as well. You know, in a small way, this might be, you know, they, they might be saying, oh, your, your product sucks. It doesn't work. Right. And your first, your first response is defensiveness. And you want to say, no, it doesn't. Right. But if you go into that phase, then you're going to completely lose the opportunity to understand why they think it sucks. And it could be something simple as they couldn't find the button to do the thing that your product already does that they wanted to do. Right. But instead, if you recognize and say, okay, I've spent so much time on this. It hurts me when they say that it sucks. It's okay that I'm hurt by that. All right, now we can move on, right? We've recognized the feeling. And so the problem with toxic positivity, and I think also kind of where it comes up in business conversations, especially in sort of public ones, is that people feel like they can only project a positive image, that everything has to be positive. And, you know, kind of pulling from Brene Brown, like vulnerability is when we connect with other people, especially intentional vulnerability, right? Rather than sort of oversharing. And so... To deny ourselves, I think, as entrepreneurs, the opportunity to share things that, that, that are not positive with other people. You know, it doesn't mean we're complaining. It doesn't mean that we're dragging people down. It simply means that we are real human beings living real human lives, building real businesses. And sometimes there are bumps in those roads. Um, and it benefits ourselves and others when we feel like we can be honest within our own boundaries about things, rather than having to constantly project a positive mindset. Yeah, I see how all of this is like so interconnected. Whereas when Nicole first shared that term or the idea of toxic positivity with me, I'm like, okay, I, I didn't really see how empathy played a part in that until I read the article and understood exactly everything that you just said, really, Michelle, is that your ability or not minimizing other people's experiences or giving someone perspective instead of validating their emotional experiences, which were two things that in the article, which we'll link up to in the description of this episode, if anyone wants to check it out. It's a very short, thorough uh, breakdown of toxic positivity. And that empathy, to your point, especially in the work that you do, but as entrepreneurs and human beings in society, I think is such an important part of how we interact with one another, how we support one another. And uh, again, like you said, are able to live like healthy, more balanced lives. Because I've absolutely been in a space where like I have felt guilty for feeling certain things and I've not wanted to complain about them or voice them or be transparent about them because I have so much to be grateful for. And I do feel very lucky for everything that I have. And so sometimes it can be hard to 
I don't know, I guess maybe sometimes I felt like, okay, I got to find the right person to be able to vent this to because I don't want to come off in the wrong way. So what's kind of your, like, what's your thought about that? Do you, do you have certain people then that you identify to be able to let these emotions out? Or is the idea that it shouldn't matter that it could be to anyone? So I, I think I'll go to your, your first thing, which is, you know, y- you feel like you should be grateful for everything that you have and that you have this, you have this burden and responsibility to make it clear to yourself and other people how grateful you are for those things. And, and an important part of this is allowing ourselves to feel multiple things at once, right? And so I can be grateful that I have a successful SaaS business. I can also feel incredibly stressed out and not know uh, what I should do or feel like I'm in over my head or feel like I just want to slam my laptop at the end of a day, right? I am allowed to feel all of that at the same time. And I think that's the really important part about this and, and about positivity not being toxic is allowing those positive things to exist alongside the less positive, or shall we say negative things, (laughs) right? Right? You can be grateful and be stressed out and you can be like, you know what? I love my business. Most days I do, but man, like today, like it was just, I just, I just had a day, right? And whether you say that to yourself and, you know, you, you pound it out onto the pavement on a nice run after work or, you know, you share it with your spouse or, or a therapist or a business coach or a friend, like, you know, somebody who you know is willing to receive that and that you also receive their own emotions, whatever stripe they may take, right? That you have some way to work through that. But I, I mean, I find very often that even just acknowledging it to myself helps so much, right? And just validating it to myself. And it's like, you know what? Dealing with international taxes is really complicated and it makes sense why my brain wants to explode when I think about them and I think about all the lawyers and accountants I have to use to figure this out. And yes, I am so fortunate to have a business that is at this point. But if I were to sit and say, I'm just, I'm just fortunate that it's at this point, I'm just fortunate at this point, like, and I just smiled through it, right? Like, I mean, that's just, uh, you know, really gritting your teeth through a smile and and not healthy, right? Because that that makes you um, lose the motivation rather than being like, this is complicated and it sucks and I have no idea what's going on and it's expensive and it's expensive to get wrong. Okay, so like it makes sense that this feels like a rain cloud hanging over my head, right? I'm still so grateful to have this business. And so I find that just allowing myself to feel that for a minute and being like, yeah, this is, this is okay that I feel this way um, is, is all I need to, you know, to, to keep going. But it really depends on the person. It does depend on a person. And do you think it's harder to, to validate those feelings that are very real and it's a very real experience, the good and the bad of, you know, whatever it is, the business or your day, given what we're exposed to on social or what if we are sharing our experiences on social there is a pressure that it has to be more positive so yeah. it's much harder to then say to validate those feelings because you're getting so many inputs on how great everything is yeah and and i think that the one of the really tricky things about social media is that that kind of validation is only external validation 
and external validation, it has to be accompanied by internal validation, right? Like if we are only seeking external validation, whether that's on social media from strangers or, you know, acquaintances or uh, a close friend or a family member, right? Like if we are only relying on external validation without our own internal grounding, then it won't be satisfying and it, and it won't really, I think, help move through um, what we're going through fully. Yeah, I think that that inner work is so important. And that is, I mean, even just having this discussion and realizing like how important and powerful, like self acceptance, like you were saying, let it out to yourself, just acknowledge that you're feeling those things. I think for me, a lot of times, and Nicole, I know you and I have had this conversation tons is like, I'm like, but no, wait a second, it has to be one or the other. Like, which one is it? Let's put it in a box so that it's organized and I can file it and it looks nice and like all of these things. And that's just not how emotions work. That's not how people work. Um, so this is a great reminder that it doesn't have to look any one way. And I, I have to call myself out on that and and acknowledge that, you know, it, it's just not always that black and white. So thanks for that. Yeah. And, you know, an analogy that might help this uh, sort of make sense in another context is that, have you ever experienced that when you're trying to figure something out, something kind of, let's say every, anything from, I don't know, you're trying to figure out your new remote to, uh, you know, do, doing something new, right? Whatever that is doing some work around the house or whatnot and you're frustrated and you've looked at the manual and you've got a screwdriver in your hand and you can't figure it out. And you're like, man, I just, I can't figure this out. Like, and then you go and ask for help. You, you go to your spouse and, and be like, Hey, can you like come help me with this? And they'll make like, sure I'll, you know, I'll be there in 10 minutes. And then you figure it out 30 seconds later. Right. <laughs> have you ever had that experience? Yeah, yes, I have. Yeah. That is the exact same thing that can go on with your emotions is that the second that you say, I need help, your nervous system calms down and your brain can kick in and be like, oh, okay, well, I can help you. Like, hello, I'm your brain. I'm, I'm here. <laughs> I can help you. We can do this. And then you figure it out. Right. And and I I find it's a very similar thing of like, can run around feeling, you know, frazzled all day and then be like, okay, I'm really stressed out right now. I have a lot going on and that's okay. It makes sense, right? It's the same thing of, of standing there with the screwdriver and being like, I need help. And then it's miraculously comes to you. Mm. But that's the thing, right? When you share like with one person a struggle, it can create that, you know, immediate sense of either I figured it out, I've got it off my chest, whatever it is. The issue that I have with, I suppose, the whole social media piece and, and the online piece, I know I'm, getting, I'm stuck on this point, is that you're getting so many inputs that I don't know if our human brains, if we're, we're actually wired to handle that much. Right. Do all of these inputs matter? Yeah. And then it gets overwhelming with processing. Like if, if you put an idea out there and 20, 50 people have one opinion about it, which could be just the very different to say what you shared with your husband or with a close friend. It's much easier for you to handle, you know, that conversation with that one-on-one -on -one versus 
you know, the 20 opinions, the 20 ideas, the 20 perspectives that could all be like, oh, just be positive. Oh, you'll figure it out. Or, you know, every, you know, failure is an opportunity, all of that. I just, I guess I'm really struggling with that. Yeah. I think this is so exemplified too, just in the entrepreneurial space, because we have been taught in some ways, probably that social media is an important part of your business and that you should have a presence there and that you should be sharing things on there. And then it kind of comes down to, well, how much do you want to share about your business? And are you going to be like completely vulnerable and transparent about like, we've been publishing our income reports for 10 years. Like we are very open about our business and that opens us up to a whole slew of you know, opinions and and whether people think it's right that we do that or not. And I, I think that kind of looking at that from a perspective of like, well, does it really matter if other people think that that's the right thing to do or not? Like if you feel like that's the right thing for your business and it's aligned with your values and your brand and your mission and um, you have a reason for doing that, then maybe it doesn't matter what other people think about it. I think there is a, a a pressure, you know, to, especially from a business perspective, to always present a positive face. And whether this is, you know, um, indie companies that you see, for example, building in public, posting their numbers on on Twitter, for example, you know, when, it's really fun to post one of those updates when the numbers are up, right? But when the economy isn't as good right now, for example, like, and businesses aren't growing as much or they are sliding, that's not as much fun to post it. Or, you know, people who have, you know, weekly podcasts, you sort of entrepreneur ride along shows, right? If your business is struggling, it's going to be really hard to get up on a mic every week and talk about how it's struggling, both for you personally, because it might feel like talking into a void, and also because, you know, you worry about your business's reputation and does that, if, if people don't think the business is doing well, are they going to become customers, you know, or are they going to want to fund it, right? And so there are all of these pressures to publicly present positivity. Now, you do see examples of when people are intentionally vulnerable and people being very, very supportive of them. And even if our people are supportive, I think, you know, to, to what Nicole was saying, can our can our brains really handle that many inputs, even if they're constructive ones? And are we getting the same, you know, sense of closure or relief from that as we would from a conversation with a close friend that builds on an already stra- strong um, baseline of of intimacy and shared vulnerability with one another, right? And I, and I think this is one of the challenges with social media is that oftentimes the vulnerability is only going one way and, and with the internet in general. And so it's not, you know, relationships are built when when that vulnerability is is shared between two people, right? When people rely on one another in some small way, even. I, I think it's, it's a very interesting question. I, I imagine there are social scientists who are spending a lot of time um, on this question, but it is certainly something that I have come across. Nicole, I know that you and Omar have, you know, for a pretty long period in your business, just said, we're not doing social media. That's not for us. Mm. Was part of your decision like kind of rooted in that idea? 
Something that Michelle said brings up one of the reasons why, and I think it comes down to one of the reasons being controlling the narrative a little bit. Mm. It's um, what you said, Michelle, where companies now building in public, sharing certain things that maybe then down the line might come back to bite them. Like, you know, investors who may invest later on in a company, you know, may not be very favorable to what the founder shared in a moment of vulnerability or in a moment where they had, they, they said something that maybe they shouldn't have. And I think there's this pressure like to, you know, tell a story and, and the reality is, like Michelle was saying, there are some days where it's just harder because it's just blah, that's the day. And so I think to directly answer your question, one of the reasons is to to control the narrative a little bit more, like this pressure to put out something that's always positive, and even if it is, great. But yeah, I think that's pretty much one of the, the main reasons. I think also just the amount of time what am I getting back from putting, you know, all that time into, into crafting a message for social? Um, but there is definitely a, a pressure for any business, I feel, to be on social. And that irks me so much. I feel like I see this in a lot of businesses, especially like, like online businesses, where people sharing their own stories is a big part of their brand or really even their product. So for example, I mean, recipe websites, right? Like when you Google for any kind of recipe, there's always a long personal narrative at the top. And, you know, people complain all the time about how there are those narratives when, you know, the reality of it is, is those have to be there both for their SEO reasons. And because, uh, in order to make the recipes suitably, um, unique enough, so they don't run into copyright issues, they have to add some sort of narrative padding around it, right? But if that is your, if that's your business as a recipe blog, or you're a fitness coach on Instagram, for example, right? Like your own personal story is going to be, it's a huge part of the business that people are building. Hmm. And I mean, that has to get draining to, to, to constantly have to be like vulnerable like that to either people not even seeing it or people who may be critical of it or, but people who are not going to maybe not even, not just not empathetically receive it, but also not return it. That's a really difficult space to be in. How do you, just because I know both of you are in the SaaS space, how do you feel that it differs for a business like what you guys do? So I I think for me personally, um, it's, kind of a weird thing because my personal brand actually really doesn't relate to the company brand at all. Like, you know, I, I have a podcast, but, and I talk about the business, um, on it, but you know, the, the, the purpose of the podcast is not lead generation or anything that like, I only know of one customer that found us through my, my podcast of the like tens of thousands that we have. And, and so I think that that kind of creates this like is a little bit of a different um, situation than, than people who are, for example, running a podcast because it is sort of very directly tied to their business and it is a podcast for their customers. What about for you, Nicole? I think for us, I know that, you know, again, that, that decision to just not invest our time in, in social was one decision. But having the podcast, $100 MBA show, be a way to share lessons and to share stories from 
Webinar Ninja, the software company that, that, you know, is that vehicle to, to talk about, you know, the highs and lows and all of that. Um, but with that focus of sharing a lesson with the listener versus a vent, a rant, or, or just a, a general post that may come across as a little bit more promotional. Well, I can definitely see how this whole idea of toxic positivity and, and empathy plays such a huge role in all of our lives, both personal and from a business perspective. I found it really interesting to learn more about your book, Michelle, and Nicole, to you talk about actually putting that into practice was really interesting. And I think that it's something that every business owner should be doing. And like as humans, I think that this idea of toxic positivity is definitely something that people should have a think on because I, I know that this conversation has definitely opened up a lot for me for sure. You know, when we talk about empathy, people often think about it in context of them showing empathy to other people. And it is just as important to show empathy to ourselves as well, right? To validate our own experiences because denying our own experiences is, is unhealthy for us as people, as business owners. And toxic positivity is, is, is probably the opposite side or one of the opposite sides of self-empathy and just allowing yourself to recognize and feel your full range of emotions and recognizing that that can help you as a business owner. That it doesn't mean that, you know, if, if you're struggling with something, it doesn't mean that you're weak. It doesn't mean that you're not cut out for it. It doesn't mean that you should just buck up and be grateful. Those are all shaming you mm -hmm. out of feeling your emotions and shame is not a productive feeling, right? It is one of the worst feelings we can make ourselves or others feel. And so instead by exercising self-empathy and allowing yourself to move through an emotion rather than pushing it away or just telling yourself to stop feeling it, you can accomplish more and, and, you know, and be a, the fuller human being that you are meant to be. One of the ways your book helped me, I remember very distinctly, not just when I applied it directly to start interviewing customers and, and, and running interviews with customers, which was just an amazing and very fulfilling experience, but a tangential way that the whole process of recognizing and having self-empathy for myself was through the cancellation feedback that I would be doing. So with the software, when people cancel their subscription, we have a feedback form. So they leave a reason why they're canceling. And it was my job a few years ago to process that, that report and look at every single comment, categorize it, and then share it with the team. And I always remember feeling at the end of that exercise, when I had to do that on a monthly basis, which I wanted to do because it's, of course, super important for me to know why people are leaving. And it's not always a negative reason. People leave for a variety of reasons. I'll cancel a subscription for many, many reasons, and they'll leave positive feedback as well. So it was always a mixed bag, but I would always feel so deflated after that exercise. I would always feel like the negative comments hurt me more and kind of overshadowed all the positive comments that were left. And I had to just recognize that when I was doing that activity, when that was, it was that time of the month that I would have to do this report. I just had to recognize that, 
I'm probably not going to feel great after, or it's a little bit taxing. You've, you've mentioned before, like doing your taxes, international taxes. It's not a fun activity. This particular task is not necessarily fun, but it's okay. And I just got real with it. I remember having a conversation with Omar. I remember saying, you know, on this day, when I'm doing this report, we can't have a meeting. We can't have a fun brainstorming meeting. We can't schedule any like planning sessions, strategy sessions, because I'm not in the right headspace. And that was, that was huge for me because that happened on a monthly basis. And the time that I finally recognized, like, it's okay to not feel great today, or it's okay to not enjoy this particular part of my job and be like so grateful that I even have customers who are leaving feedback. And it's so great that I'm learning from what they're saying, all of the positives, all of the gratitudes that I should have been feeling. I had to just recognize that I feel pretty crappy after this exercise and I'm just going to give it a day. And then tomorrow I can resume with other stuff. So that was huge. That was like a very real example where that self-validation, that recognition of like, this is, you know, these are the shades of the experience of running a business of this one particular activity. Yeah. Very helpful for me. That's a fantastic example of like, of self-empathy to say you analyzed how you were feeling, right? You, you, you saw what was happening. You validated that feeling. And then you, you put down a boundary too. It was, this makes me feel really drained. And so I'm not going to be able to do brainstorming like on these days. And I'm curious, do you still do this report? I um, have my team help tally and do all the importing and categorization. But yes, I still uh, now do the report every quarter. So it's interesting. You do it quarterly now rather yes. than monthly. Yeah. And I'm curious, how does going through that report compare to how you feel after a customer interview? Oh, see, the customer interview is such a different experience. Like with a customer interview, I feel like I've had more of an opportunity to see their side and understand what, you, you know, when you're just seeing a comment, a couple of lines, a few sentences, there's a lot of, you could be reading between the lines. If this is what they meant, I'm not sure. Whereas a customer interview, you're getting so many other cues, you're getting you have a chance to, you know, clarify something. But even if you're just listening, there's more of that human experience behind it, like human to human versus human to text. You're smiling as you talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice experience. I remember just how rewarding it was. And that's if I was thinking about too, let's just say I was one of those companies that shared so much. Like imagine if I shared publicly the report every month, imagine the inputs that I would get from people and I would just be like, oh, I don't know if I could handle that. Like everyone would have an opinion, right? Yeah. I mean, and you know, it's what we were saying earlier and it's almost, I mean, I, I, I see this in, in this podcast itself is the value of conversation whether it's getting feedback or support, right? That, you know, conversation with someone who respects and values you, whether that's they respect you and value as the creator of a product that they use or as a friend or, or, or a family member, right? That could be so valuable, I guess, compared to this, this sort of fire hose of unsolicited ideas and advice and, and comments that can come from social media, even if they're well-intended. 
And something else you said too, Michelle, that I, I also picked up on when Nicole was sharing that example is setting boundaries. And Nicole, I think that's a beautiful boundary that you have that you're just not going to share certain things. And I think that's okay. I don't think that any of us should feel like we have to. I don't feel that there should be pressure like that. I mean, that kind of goes back to what we were saying is like all this external pressure put on business owners to share more, to be positive, to be on social media, to be like giving, giving, giving. And for you to set those boundaries, I think is a really important thing to to Michelle's point. And, you know, to, to us as, <laughs> I mean, but but to us as female founders, which is not a sort of a box I, I I hop in um often, so to speak, to think from that box. But I think as female founders in particular, we have this responsibility that we carry to be public examples of female founders because there aren't that many of us, right? And that creates certain expectations around being a positive example, right? Being an, being an example so other people realize they can do it so that they want to do it, right? So that they see that it's an option for them and that it would be a good option for them maybe, right? And so that creates a certain amount of pressure for us to not only be public and as you said, giving, 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 but also to be a very public, happy face about all of it. And it's so great and amazing. And that is super draining and also not the real experience, I think something I valued about my own podcast and doing it with a friend like you guys do is that you can be like, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's not great right now. Right. Like, cause that is the real experience, but, but there is that added complication that we carry and that, you know, women are punished more for appearing negative, negative, Nancy, negative Nellie. Right. Debbie Downer. Nelly, Debbie Downer. Exactly. Right. These are all women's names. And so there is more pressure on us to be positive and smiling and like people's personal posts in certain in certain cultural communities as well. There's incredibly strong pressure to be positive and incredible shame, whether that is explicitly said in the form of, you know, you should just be grateful or in the form of, well, at least this didn't happen, or at least you still have your house, right? You know, like things like that, right? Those are all forms of toxic positivity, because none of them are saying, hey, what you're going through is really tough right now. And it's okay to share it. And it's okay to be upset about it. N none of those responses that someone might get are seeing them as a full human being with a full range of experiences. And that creates pressure on people to only present the positive. And this is this is damaging for, for people personally, for people as business owners and, and society, quite frankly. I agree with everything he just said. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, I feel like I have, I, I need like a download period after this. I just feel like there's so many thoughts that I want to sit with. Um, definitely a lot for me to consider, I think, on a personal level after this. Michelle, thank you so much for everything that you've shared with us today, for sharing your time, for sharing your insights, your experience, and sharing with our friends all of your knowledge and, and with us. Like I said, I've got a lot of I've got a lot to think about. <laughs> can you please share where our friends can find out more about you, connect with you? Yeah. Um, so my personal website is mjwhanson.com. My book is deployempathy.com. You can also find it 
on Amazon or your local bookstore all over the world. I am ostensibly on social media at MJW Hansen, though admittedly not really on it a lot these days. Good for you. (laughs) Thank you so much. We will be sure to link all of this up in the description of today's episode. Michelle, you've been amazing. It's really great to connect with you. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks, Michelle. Two of my favorite people got to meet. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) All right, friends. Well, as we close out today's chat on toxic positivity, we hope that you've picked up a thing or two you can carry with you today and moving forward to give you that extra boost of confidence and support when you need it most. And friends, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you have a friend in mind who might also enjoy our chats, share the podcast with them too. Send them to canrelatepodcast.com or have them search Nicole and Kate Can Relate on their favorite podcast app. Until next time.